more. Do you feel like you can never stay consistent in your walk with God? Maybe you've been thinking about what that looks like the wrong way. Stop dreading what you were meant to find a light in. Let's talk about how to do that today on Dreamers and Disciples. Welcome to Dreamers and Disciples. I'm your host, Wade Joy. Uh, now, we are five episodes into this new podcast all about how to reset your rhythms and renew your dreams, where we learn how to dream like a disciple dreams with open hands. And we've talked a lot in the first four episodes about purpose and calling. And by the way, I love hearing from you. I love getting your stories on Instagram and Facebook and through the reviews of the podcast and just hearing what God is speaking to you, what He's doing in your life. Uh, and what's encouraging you. It helps me know what to focus on as the podcast continues. And so keep those coming. I really want to make sure this podcast serves you and is an encouragement for your daily walk with Jesus, your daily discipleship. Uh, And like I said, the first few episodes, we've talked about purpose and calling, but today I want to go back to something that we talked about in the very first episode, What Should I Dream About? Uh, And it's this. We talked about the importance of having regular spiritual rhythms and the need for regular rhythms of spiritual disciplines that center our hearts daily on asking our Heavenly Father not only what we should dream about, but more importantly, what does He dream about for His world and for our lives. And we said that abiding in Christ doesn't happen by accident. It actually takes discipline. So that's where we're going to start today. And I want to go to John chapter 15, uh, verses 5 through 11, and let's see what Jesus actually said about abiding in Him. So Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So once again, we see that abiding doesn't happen by accident. It requires a pattern of action. It takes spiritual disciplines. And that's what we're going to unpack for the rest of our short time together. We're going to talk about what it actually looks like to abide in Christ and why that's important. And what is Jesus teaching us about it here in John chapter 15? But first, I want to talk about a pretty transformational experience I had two years ago. It was the summer of 2020. And I know as soon as I say 2020, some of you just, you don't even want to remember that that year existed. Uh, But if you can, I want you to go back in your mind and remember how you felt June of 2020. Uh, We were about three or four months into COVID and quarantine and lockdowns, and it was a crazy time. That's an understatement. And I don't think anybody was doing really well emotionally or mentally at this time. For our family, we were really scared because, like I've mentioned in previous episodes, we have a daughter with cystic fibrosis. She was at very high risk. And we were really nervous and scared about her getting sick, about her condition, getting complications. And so we were we were nervous about that. 
I know in ministry and in my job at Elevation Church, we were trying to figure like figure out like every other church in the world, what does church look like when people can't come in the doors? And so there was just a lot of uncertainty, a lot of worry, a lot of anxiety. And I remember in June, sitting on my back porch, we were having a little staycation as a family because what were our other options? We couldn't go anywhere. And it was my twins' 12th birthday, and our family was celebrating. Um, there was a lot of laughter and, and joy in our, in our backyard. And I vividly remember sitting on my back porch as all this you know, great family time was happening around me. And inside, I felt so empty, so depleted, so drained. And I was having this conversation with God where just I was asking the Lord, um, just crying out to Him really desperately saying, God, I need to feel something. Uh, I don't feel anything that remotely resembles the abundant life that I know we're supposed to have in you, the abundant life that I've preached about, that I've taught about, that I've caught glimpses of, I've tasted it, I've walked in it in different seasons, but it feels like it's been so long since I've experienced it. And, and, and Holy Spirit, I need you. And as I was just, just bringing my heart to God in that moment, I felt the Lord speak so clearly to me. And it was one of those times, it's not an audible voice, but it was a very clear impression on my spirit. And it was both loving and gentle, but also firm and corrective. And I felt like God said something to this effect. You aren't doing anything to create the space in your life that gives me the room to give you what you truly need. You aren't doing anything to create the space in your life that gives me the room to give you what you truly need. And isn't that so often the case with us? We pray and ask God to do something, but we're not actually doing the part that we can do uh, to show that we really want the Lord to move in our lives. We want Him to do all the work. And I felt like the Lord was showing me that there was some work that I needed to do, that He was there, He was ready. He hadn't left me. I wasn't creating the proper spaces to open my heart to Him. So I started to take inventory of my life. And what I realized was in some key areas of my life, I was extremely undisciplined, starting with what feels very unspiritual. Um, But I would argue that there's nothing that's not spiritual. Um, My diet was the diet of a five-year-old. I loved Krispy Kreme donuts. I loved chips and queso. I feel like if you cut me, Krispy Kreme glaze would have come out, which I still love Krispy Kreme. Don't get me wrong. But my diet wasn't healthy. It wasn't energizing. It wasn't putting the right fuel into my body. I used to love to work out and I was pretty disciplined about exercise, but that had fallen off in in the last year. And so I wasn't taking care of myself. My time in God's word had become a, a checklist and I was going to God's word to try to find something to teach our teams. And in all these different areas, God was showing me how I lacked discipline. My prayer life was reactive rather than proactive. If you know, if a thought came to my mind about God or something that I needed, I would pray. Uh, but there was no proactive, disciplined rhythm to the way I was seeking God at that time. And so I realized that this discipline uh, or this lack of discipline didn't come necessarily from me being lazy, although in seasons, I'm sure that was also the, the case. It was also part of it. But instead, I think the core of it was because growing up, I equated discipline with legalism. I thought discipline equaled legalism. 
And for those of you who didn't grow up in church like I did, legalism basically um, is saying that you have to act a certain way and you have to do certain things to be a Christian or to be acceptable in church or to be acceptable to God. Um, And I had rebelled against that growing up in the church. So I grew up in the Baptist church in the South. My granddad was a pastor. Uh, He was a hero of mine. And I was the good little Christian grandson that was always in church. And I tried to look the part, say the right thing, do the right thing, believe the right thing. And even after my grandfather uh, had a moral failing in church uh, and, and lost his church, I almost felt like I had to to look the part and act the part even more. But as I got older, I began to struggle with how crippling that burden was and to think that my relationship with Christ was something that I could do in my own strength. I was trying to do the right thing without accessing the right power that was meant to be behind it. I was trying to earn God's approval through my works. I was trying to impress God with my faithfulness. I was trying to prevent God from bringing down the hammer if I messed up. And this sounds so arrogant and self-centered to think, but I thought the salvation of the world and my friends was on my shoulders based on the way I conducted my life. I thought if I could just be good enough, then maybe God would bless me with my heart's desire. Maybe God would bless me with my dreams. And thankfully, as I've gotten older and, and as I got older in my college years and my 20s, the Lord started to mature me. I grew in my walk with Him. I learned from some great mentors I studied uh, God's Word more diligently, and I began to get a deeper and much needed understanding and revelation of God's grace in my life. I realized that not only was I saved by grace through faith in Jesus, but I also needed that same grace to live out and empower my faith. So I wasn't saved by works, uh, and therefore I I didn't need to try to earn God's approval through my works. I was saved by grace through faith. I didn't earn my salvation in the first place. I didn't earn God's approval in the first place. That came only through Jesus Christ and His sacrifice on the cross and His resurrection. Um, So I had to stop chasing God's approval and love through my works. And so I needed that revelation of grace in my life. It brought a lot of freedom. I learned how to be more conversational in my prayer life. I learned how to be more vulnerable. I began to discern what was a command in Scripture, and what was a conviction based on faith through the Holy Spirit. And even though I was growing in my understanding of grace, I never quite escaped my upbringing. Those seeds of having to perform for God to like me, to perform for God to love me, to perform for other peoples by living the right kind of life, that was still there. And so in an effort to run from what I called legalism, I swung the pendulum too far, and I, I ran not from legalism, but I ran from discipline. And those are not the same thing. See, in an, an effort to embrace freedom in Christ, I wanted to run as far away from anything that remotely looked like legalism, but I ran from discipline, and those aren't the same thing. And that didn't, for me, look like um, embracing a life of rebellion and embracing prodigal son type sin, but it did manifest itself in me living an undisciplined life a lot of times. See, I thought having a regular time of prayer was legalistic. So I didn't need to prioritize setting my heart and mind on God first thing in the morning because I could get to it whenever it was convenient. And a lot of times 
the day got away from me, the schedule got away from me, and I never ended up having a real devoted time of prayer during the day. You know, I thought a practice of meditating on and memorizing scripture was a bonus if I had time, not something I had to to prioritize because I had freedom in Christ, right? But once again, a lot of days, you know, I said I would get to it, and then by the end of the day, it never happened. And so I thought I'd get to it the next day because I was being reactive, not proactive. Uh, Little by little, over the years, I ran away from discipline thinking it was legalism. And in doing so, I was robbing myself of the power of what the Holy Spirit wanted to do in me. And I wonder if you're in the same place today. Did you grow up in church thinking that you had to look the part, you had to act the part? And when you finally realize that, no, it's all about grace, there's so much freedom in that, but you've never quite been able to realize, well, how does what I do play into my faith? If I'm saved by grace, then what part uh, do, do my works play into it? See, we're not saved based on our own merit. We're not saved based on our own works. It's all in what Christ did. But what we do reflects what we believe. What we do reflects how much we love Jesus. What we do reflects our dependence on God. It's, it's not to be meant to be faith without actions, because James says faith without works is dead. It's our actions prove what we believe. They prove that Jesus is actively at work inside of us. It's a reflection. It's a display of what is happening on the inside of us. But the works were never meant to earn God's approval. That could never happen. It only happens through Jesus Christ. And through Jesus, we have God's approval. We have God's love. We have God's grace. And so we can rest in that, and then we work from that. And so let me right now define the difference in my mind, as I see it, between legalism and discipline. Legalism is born out of fear of man. Uh, Legalism comes from the desire to impress other people, It comes from the desire to impress God. It comes from the desire to be righteous in your own strength apart from God. And you can't do any of that. It's a burden you cannot carry. Uh, It's a burden too heavy for you. It's a burden only Jesus could carry. Discipline is different because discipline comes from a passion for God and your dependence on Jesus. See, discipline comes from your passion for God and your dependence on Jesus It's a passion for what your priorities are. Discipline involves humbly recognizing your dependence on God and your need for Him. It comes from prioritizing His presence in your daily life. Discipline means structuring and ordering your life around your priorities, around what is most important to you. And so although discipline is not legalism, they can look very similar on the outside, but they have significantly different motivations and a drastically different heart. All right, let me break that down a little bit. Routine can look like legalism. Structure can look like legalism. Discipline can look like legalism. Obedience can look like legalism. All of those things are necessary components to discipleship when done with the right spirit and with the right heart. So we can't throw out routine. We can't throw out structure. We can't throw out discipline, and we definitely can't throw out obedience just because it's been abused as legalism in the past. We have to learn to do it with the right spirit. 
So with that in mind, let's go back to John 15 again and key in on verses 9 through 11. Jesus says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. See, once again, we see that abiding isn't just thinking good thoughts about God. It's active. Jesus says it takes obedience. Look at verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love, we model our obedience and our abiding in Christ by looking at how Jesus did that with His Father. So you can't disobey a command from God and have the excuse that it's because it's, it's, you know, you're not supposed to be legalistic. When there's a clear command in Scripture, we are meant to obey it, but from love, not as a way to earn love. See, Jesus, he obviously spoke out against legalism, but he always promoted obedience. He denounced the Pharisees for laying a heavy burden on people and performing what looked like righteousness without having the right spirit and the right heart behind it. But Jesus also knows a life lived according to his teachings and his Father's ways brings life. He always pointed people towards living the way we were intended to live and loving devotion to our Father. See, he says in verse 11, These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. See, you can delight in discipline because discipline is what leads to delight in Christ. I want to make sure you get that. You can delight in discipline because discipline is what leads to delight in Christ. See, so many of us are dreading discipline. We're dreading anything that looks like it, but that is actually the pathway for us to experience power and love and joy in Jesus. See, discipline and obedience and living in a way that honors God isn't legalistic when done with the right spirit and the right heart. It actually positions our heart for joy. It leads to power. It leads to joy. And that is such a liberating truth. So I want to sum up just really briefly what we've talked about with three truths. Uh, that I think you can latch on to, you can hold on to, and I think it can give you some things to pray about this week and to meditate on. Number one, your disciplines display your devotion. Your disciplines display your devotion. What you're disciplined about reveals what you're devoted to. Um, it shows what's important to you, what uh, what matters to you, what you're pursuing. If you want to see what's important to you, all you have to do is look at your daily routines, all you have to do is open up your, your iCal app, your calendar app, and you can see now all of us have, we're in different seasons of life. We're in, uh, we have different responsibilities, so um, our schedules can't look the same. That's why there is freedom in Christ. There's no one certain way you have to structure your prayer life or your, uh, your time in God's Word, but it has to be a priority if following Jesus is a priority for you. Your disciplines display your devotion. Secondly, your disciplines reveal your dependence. Your disciplines reveal your dependence. Your disciplines are a way of orienting the way you live your life around your need for God. You're saying through your disciplines, I can't do this life on my own strength and based on my own priorities. When I get up early to pray, I'm saying, God, I know that I need you more than anything else in this world. Um, I need you more than what social media is going to tell me today. I need you more um, than all the pressures I'm going to feel, than all the desires that I have to look good in the eyes of others. 
Um, there's good things that are coming my way today, like time with my family, but I need you more than I need them. I need you more than anything in my life. And so I'm going to prioritize you today, the first thing in my day. Uh, and then we'll talk about in future episodes how to even come back to that throughout the day. But disciplines posture your heart in the posture of dependence, and the posture of desperation, saying, God, I know that I need you more than anything else that this world has to offer. And then finally, your disciplines determine your development and direction. Your disciplines determine your development and your direction. I love what James Clear says in Atomic Habits. It's a great book. I highly recommend it. But he says, your habits matter because they help you become the type of person you wish to be. They are the channel through which you develop the deepest beliefs about yourself. Quite literally, you become your habits. Now, he says they help you develop the deepest beliefs about yourself. I would also add that they help us really form our deepest and hold on to and ground ourselves in our deepest beliefs about God. And while it's the Holy Spirit that changes us, our, our works don't change us, our disciplines don't change us, they orient our life around God and so that we're opening our hearts and our lives to what the Holy Spirit wants to do. So when we have our spiritual disciplines of prayer and meditating on Scripture and tithing and giving and hospitality, um, those open our hearts to the power that God wants to activate through His Spirit that's in you if you're a follower of Jesus. So the disciplines don't change us, but they create the pathway for God to grow our character for God to produce the fruits of the Spirit in us, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. And so we have to ask ourselves, you know, where do we want to head in life? Um, where do we want to be in life 5, 10, 15 years from now? And a good indicator at where you want to be and the type of person you want to be is to look at your daily practices and ask, where is this way of life leading me? What type of person is this way of life producing? Is it leading me into more life, more love, more joy? And we have to orient our daily practices around where we want to go. So I want to leave you uh, with a, a quote from one of my favorite authors, uh, Dallas Willard. And he wrote a book called Spirit of the Disciplines, which I highly recommend as well. Uh, and so this is what he says about the importance of spiritual disciplines uh, in our lives. And he says... Everything I've been trying to say is so much better. So listen, listen to this. He says, my central claim is that we can become like Christ by doing one thing, by following him in the overall style of life he chose for himself. If we have faith in Christ, we must believe that he knew how to live. We can, through faith and grace, become like Christ by practicing the types of activities he engaged in, by arranging our whole lives around the activities he himself practiced in order to remain constantly at home in the fellowship of his Father. What activities did Jesus practice? Such things as solitude and silence, prayer, simple and sacrificial living, intense study and meditation upon God's word and God's ways, and service to others. Our mistake is to think that following Jesus consists in loving our enemies, going the second mile, turning the other cheek, suffering patiently and hopefully, while living the rest of our lives just as everyone else around us does. The general human failing is to want what is right and important, but at the same time not to commit to the kind of life that will produce the action we know to be right and the condition we want to enjoy. So if we wish to follow Christ and to walk in the easy yoke with Him, we will have to accept his overall way of life as our way of life totally. Then and only then 
we may reasonably expect to know by experience how easy is the yoke and how light the burden. Now, let me read those last two sentences one more time. So if we wish to follow Christ and to walk in the easy yoke with him, we will have to accept his overall way of life as our way of life totally. Then and only then we may reasonably expect to know by experience how easy is the yoke and how light the burden. See, spiritual practices were never meant to be a source of pressure for us. They are meant to be the way we activate power. They were never meant to be a source of pressure. They are meant to be the way we activate power. And so many of us, we want the power that Jesus displayed in the Gospels. We want the power that we see in the early church, but we are not orienting our life around the priorities of Christ. Now, Dallas Willard isn't saying that we have to become first century carpenters who became itinerant evangelists. He's not saying that. Um, But he is saying we have to look at what was important to Jesus and ask ourselves, are we reflecting those same priorities in our life, those same practices, those same disciplines, not as a source of pressure, but as a way to activate power? And I want to ask you right now, do you feel like you're experiencing easy yoke that Christ promises? Do you feel like that's something that's even within your reach right now? Or do you feel like that seems so unrealistic to you? And if it does, ask yourself, what priorities are you committed to right now? And do they line up with the priorities of Jesus? And there is so much grace for you wherever you're at. You don't have to do a hundred days of you know, reading through the entire Bible right now, it's not about performance. It's about opening your life to be present to God and His Spirit and what He wants to do in you and to root yourself in His love. And that can start today. It can start right now in this moment. So I want you to just reflect one more time on these three statements. Your disciplines display your devotion. Your disciplines reveal your dependence. And your disciplines determine your development and direction. And I want you to ask the Holy Spirit uh, this week to show you one step you can take, one small step towards discipline where you can actually create a space to open your heart to God and ask Him to move in your life and to transform you, uh, to activate the power that is in you, that is yours in Christ Jesus through the Holy Spirit. And so I went on a journey after that revelation on my back porch in 2020 over the last two years. And next week, I'm going to talk a bit more about that. Uh, And we might spend a couple weeks really unpacking what a disciplined life of faith looks like, what spiritual rhythms can look like. Um, But it's because of this that I truly believe the only way to live as a dreamer and a disciple is through regular rhythms of abiding with Christ regular rhythms of bringing our heart and our questions and our whole self to the Lord on a daily basis. This journey has changed me. I've grown up in church for 46 years, but what I've learned through this process has completely shifted how I follow Jesus and has brought more life and joy and peace than I've ever experienced before. And I want that for you. It doesn't have to look like my journey, but I think there's some things that we can learn together. So thank you so much for listening today. I'm loving going on this podcast uh, journey with you. And so I want to encourage you, uh, if this episode meant something to you, if it spoke to you, send it to somebody that you think it'll encourage as well. And then also, if you want to just get a midweek pick-me-up, I send a weekly email every Wednesday called The Weekly Reset. That's all about what we've talked about today. It, it, it helps you find one spiritual practice that you can put into place, something 
to turn your heart back to the Lord in the middle of the week when things get kind of crazy. So you can sign up for that at wadejoy.com, W-A-D-E-J-O-Y-E.com. Can't wait to see you back here next week for Dreamers and Disciples. Thank you.